Hi, I'm Justin Rosso, and welcome to this episode of the Next Step Podcast, where we help you take a next step. In today's episode, we'll be looking at Chapter 4, Comfort, Comfort, Ye My People, in the resource Light in the Darkness, a hymn journal for Advent and Christmas. Our special guest is Dr. Reed Lessing. He's a pastor, professor, author, and he's written scholarly commentaries on Jonah, Amos, Zechariah, a two-volume work on Isaiah, and other various devotions and resources. Dr. Lessing serves as Professor of Theology and Ministry and Director of the Center for Biblical Studies on the campus of Concordia University in St. Paul, Minnesota. After a brief introduction and an opening prayer, you'll hear Dr. Lessing read from Isaiah chapter 40 on page 37 of the hymn journal. And then as we get to talking about what that text means, we'll take detours from Isaiah through Exodus, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and several of the Pauline epistles, because that's how a conversation with Dr. Lessing usually goes. Before we're done and wonder about some personal Advent next steps, you'll hear me read the devotion, Make the Rougher Places Plain, on page 38. And we'll also get a chance to listen to Brooke and Brendan's arrangement of this chapter's featured hymn. When we first recorded this episode with Dr. Lessing, it was early October, almost two months ago now, and it hadn't snowed in St. Paul, Minnesota yet. But I checked the weather from the Minneapolis-St. Paul airport, and it seems that they've had less than three inches of their normal nine inches so far in the year. Up here in Michigan, we've already had our first heavy snowfall that stayed for several days, but since then it's melted off. It snowed a little bit today, but the ground is still too warm for it to stick. So, you know, things come and go, as is typical this time of year in the Midwest. Well, however things are coming or going in your world, we're glad you're here. As we prepare our hearts to receive the Jesus who comes to us at Christmas and is coming again in glory, it's good to be among friends. We follow Jesus better when we follow him together. So thanks. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us for Light in the Darkness. Dr. Reed Lessing joins us on the Next Step Podcast. Reed, welcome back. Good to be here, Justin. And where in the world are you today? I'm in St. Paul, Minnesota. Excellent. And uh, how's the weather in St. Paul? Perfect, really. Just a wonderful Indian summer day. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we're recording this a little bit early. We're, we haven't actually quit, quite hit Advent yet, so that no snow on the ground for you yet. <laughs> no, but we're preparing. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet. Well, I, I so much uh, appreciate you being with us today. And as we step into this chapter four, Comfort, Comfort Ye My People, uh, would you please allow me to join us uh, in prayer? Come, Holy Spirit, and open our hearts and minds. Uh, Be present according to your word of promise. These words that you've inspired the prophet Isaiah to write, will you also inspire us to hear and put into practice in our lives? Come, Lord Jesus, and be with us today. Amen. Uh, Read, would you mind reading us Isaiah 41 to 8 there on page 37? Great. Here we go. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling, in the wilderness prepare the way for the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain. 
and the glory of the Lord will be revealed, and all flesh will see it together, for the mouth of the Lord is spoken. A voice says, Cry out, and I said, What shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our God endures forever. Hmm. Yeah. Hey, uh, reading those verses this time through, did, did anything jump out at you in particular? Wow. Everything. These are just such marvelous words, aren't they? Yeah, from the initial comfort, comfort to uh, all flesh seeing the glory of the Lord uh, to the ending, uh, verbum dei manet in aeternum, right? Yeah, the, the, the word Latin of the Lord endures place. forever. Yeah, exactly. That's the Latin slogan. So, yeah, yeah. wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, poetry from Isaiah. Hmm. Well, I, I can't help but thinking of Handel's Messiah when we, especially when we read the middle verses there. Uh, and there's some of that kind of Christmassy music. Of course, mm-hmm. John the Baptist is kind of standing in the wings for me as I read this too. Uh, and and that at the end, the this idea of the grass withering the, and the flowers falling, the kind of uh, futility of our human existence, and yet that strong statement at the end that that almost reverses the futility to something greater. Those all really jumped out at me this time through. But let's kind of take it from the top. There's kind of three stanzas here. Let's look at that first stanza: comfort, comfort, my people. What's going on in Isaiah 40 that that God's people would need comforting? Wow, <clears throat> great question. There's a lot of different ways to answer that, but we might zero in on uh, the words, my people and your God. Hmm. Uh, That formula, sometimes it's called the covenant formula, uh, appears first in Exodus chapter 6, verse 7, where God tells Moses uh, to tell Israel, I'll be your God, you'll be my people. Uh, So this is a very endearing statement from God. Uh, to Moses originally, and now Isaiah is going to repeat that. And if uh, our listeners know anything about the book of Isaiah, uh, in chapter 6, verse 9, after, of course, Isaiah says, here am I, send me, in Mm. uh, 6, verse 8, God says to Isaiah in 6, verse 9, go and say to this people. (laughs) So not always, right, in the Old Testament, but sometimes this people indicates that the relationship has been fractured to the point where it no longer exists exists. Hmm. Uh, We have this, for example, in Exodus chapter 32, when Moses comes down from Mount Sinai and sees Aaron and the gang worshiping a Hmm. golden calf, and God tells Moses, uh, look what your people are doing, and this people is stiff-necked. So that's the first time the your God, my people is reversed. It's reversed, obviously, in Isaiah chapters 1 through 39, But here, um, the gospel uh, promise is now back on. Uh, My Mm. people, your God. And those are are definitely tender words. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her. So this this combination of tender speaking but proclamation strikes me as being uh, kind of unusual. Is there anything there? Yeah. So within the context of the book of Isaiah, essentially chapters 1 through 39 uh, predict and foretell the uh, coming uh, Babylonian exile that happens um, in in the late uh, 7th and early 6th centuries B.C. Uh, 
uh, especially in 587 BC, uh, the 28th of August to be exact, uh, the 9th of Av in uh, Jewish history, uh, when uh, Nebuchadnezzar uh, sacked Jerusalem mm. and everything went up in flames. So mm. that's chapters 1 to 39 uh, of Isaiah, again, just in a, a broad way of looking at things. Mm. But now, see, her hard service has been completed, her sin has been paid for. Uh, there was a long night, uh, 70 years to be exact, Jeremiah predicts that in chapters uh, 25 and 29 of his book. Um, but now the the sun is rising on the eastern uh, sky. And, and now uh, we have uh, uh, this uh, gospel celebration coming initially to these exiles in Babylon and certainly to all who are in exile, all who are um, east of Eden, which includes hmm. uh, all of us. We are all in exile. We all need to be called back to the Father's uh, comforting embrace. So after these 70 years, the, the message is finally one of, of peace and gospel and, and tender mercy again. Uh, the hard service being completed, sin being paid for, she's received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. I, I mean, if you didn't have kind of a fuller understanding or theology around these verses, it would almost sound like their own suffering for 70 years had been, uh, what, somehow redemptive by itself? How, how? What's the best way to take these words in terms of receiving from the Lord's hand this punishment for my sin and that somehow being now, now that my, my sin's been paid for? How, how does that work here? Boy, that's a wonderful question. And um, within Isaiah chapters 40 to 55, uh, most of our listeners uh, will be aware of the fourth servant song, mm. uh, which actually begins in chapter 52, verse 13, and goes through 53, verse 12. Uh, and it would be in that section of the prophet Isaiah where we find out how sin has been paid for. <laughs> it, mm. it would certainly be... Uh, for example, in chapter uh, 53, verse 5, uh, where uh, the punishment that brought us peace was upon him and by his wounds were healed. Uh, so certainly the, the sin is going to be paid for uh, by this uh, substitute suffering servant. Yeah. Uh, and Isaiah speaks of that in, in, it's in past tense, right? Mm. Uh, which is a little surprising. He does the same thing uh, in chapters of 52 and 53, when he talks about the suffering servant, uh, it's already uh, a done deal. Hmm. Paul, for his part, uh, does the same thing in uh, arguably one of the greatest chapters in the Bible, Romans chapter 8, uh, where he says in verse 30, uh, those whom he predestined, he called, those he called, he justified, those whom he justified, he also glorified. Well, I don't know about you, Justin, but <laughs> I'm not glorified yet. <laughs> it just doesn't feel that way. Um, however, however, by faith, see, um, it, it's already a done deal. Uh, yeah. The past tense in Romans 8.30 comports nicely with this idea in Isaiah uh, 40, verse 2 right? Hmm. That her sin has been paid for. It's a, a future event, as we know, from Isaiah's perspective. Um, and yet it is uh, uh, that certain that God can speak of it uh, as, a, uh, as a done deal. 
And and just to point out this whole idea, she was received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Uh, sometimes that's taken as a law statement, mm-hmm. uh, as to say that they're the people of God. They should have known better, so they got hammered not once but twice. Right, right, uh, right. But that uh, really doesn't pay close attention to, um, as we read from the NIV. Uh, you've got indented that her hard service, that her sin, that she has received. So you've got two gospel statements uh, followed by a law statement. That's just not the way Hebrew poetry works, as you know. Uh, So what is the double? The double is simply double comfort. That's how the whole Mm. uh, uh, section begins. Comfort, comfort. Uh, Not once, but twice uh, from Mm. the Lord's hand. So it's all gospel in these uh, first two verses. Hmm. Great. Yeah, thanks. I appreciate tying it into the bigger picture, too. I think sometimes we can see, well, well, read, we can see clearly how our sin sometimes has a direct consequence that we suffer from then. Our, our sin leads to bad things in the world. And sometimes it's not our sin. And sometimes you can't lay the blame clearly on the feet of, of just a person or a few people. So that experience of uh, what feels like punishment, this side of eternity is still under the umbrella of God's grace and God's promise. I I think of Paul again, now there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So even when we suffer the kind of temporary and and, uh, this side of eternity consequences of our own sin, we don't have to receive them as if they were a punishment from God because that punishment was taken by Jesus on the cross. Uh, There's a a bigger picture that even our suffering belongs to, even when our suffering is our own fault. Oh, exactly. Yes, yes. One of the the great messages of the Bible is that um, uh, God turns evil into good. In fact, Mm. you could almost uh, call that the central message of Scripture. Uh, beginning with Joseph in Genesis 50, 20, you meant it for evil, God meant it for good, yeah. uh, all the way to Calvary and the empty tomb. Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah, and that's, that's a real redemptive moment, too, when God takes even our evil and turns it for good. What a beautiful thing. Oh, uh, so yes. that, that middle stanza then, a, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Of course, this the New Testament points to John the Baptist. Uh, Jesus points to John the Baptist using these words. How, how does this part of Isaiah connect to the ministry of John the Baptist? Of course, all four gospel writers are going to really begin in earnest their uh, uh, narration of the Jesus story with John the Baptist and this specific word from uh, Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. So at least I'll, I'll go to that in a moment. We might just ask uh, momentarily, uh, prepare the way for the Lord, right? Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Uh, well, where is God coming from, right? Mm-hmm. And where is he going? <laughs> and you, you really don't um, get this until you would see what the prophet says in chapter 52, Uh, Verse 8, many people equate uh, Isaiah 52, uh, 7 through 12 uh, with uh, what we're looking at in 41 through 8. A lot of the same um, promises, vocabulary, um, and theology. Um, But it says in chapter 52, verse 8, at the end, uh, for eye to eye they see the return of the Lord to Zion. Uh, So we're preparing the way for the Lord uh, because he's returning to Zion, to Jerusalem, to Israel. Uh, 
Well, of course, if you're returning, as we all know, uh, that assumes that you left, <laughs> mm, mm. right? Uh, and we really don't understand that until we get to Ezekiel, of all places, chapters 8 through 11, where Ezekiel sees God's glory leaving the temple in stages until finally at the end of chapter 11, the glory of the Lord has left. Uh, well, now the 70 years is... I already indicated, are over, and God's coming back. <laughs> God's coming back. So that's what John the Baptist is saying, um, that the long exile is over. And But then, you know, we kind of think, wait a minute. Uh, the exile was over after 70 years. Well, yes, in one sense it mm-hmm. was. Mm-hmm. In a political sense, in a in a geographical sense, it was over. Many of the Judeans returned, but not in a spiritual sense, right? Uh, as I indicated earlier, the, the first exile was out of Eden in chapter 3 of Genesis. Hmm. Uh, so what John the Baptist is saying, uh, that that exile, right, uh, this long exile away from the Father, um, that impacts all humanity and not just Judeans in the sixth century BC. That exile is over. <laughs> the, the prepare the way for the Lord. See, he's coming back and he's coming back for who? Uh, all people is what we have right at the end of yeah. verse five, um, which is interesting because uh, Matthew, Mark, and John stop at verse four. Uh, in Isaiah. In other words, they don't do the all flesh target, mm-hmm. uh, but Luke does. <laughs> Luke wants us to understand the uh, the all people uh, idea. So that's what you've got in Luke chapter three, verse six. Uh, and of course, not to say that uh, Matthew, Mark, and John aren't universal in their uh, proclamation of the gospel. But uh, Luke is going to really focus in on that, uh, being a Gentile himself. Well, and, and he's setting up his sequel, right? I mean, the book of Acts, he, he's he's trying to get us to ready ready for the next bestseller. The, oh, the book exactly. Of Acts. Yeah. Chapter yeah. 1, verse 8 in Acts. Yep. Yep. So when we talk about the glory of the Lord, uh, that's that, of course, I mean, you mentioned the glory leaving the temple. You could you could go to the glory descending on the tabernacle, the glory mm-hmm. filling the temple. I remember when when the they Solomon dedicated the temple, the the cloud of the glory of the presence of Yahweh was so thick, even the priests kind of got kicked out of the holy of holy. They couldn't even do their jobs because the the the, the smoke was so thick and that kind of holy smoke of God's presence. Uh, we see that glory leave in Ezekiel. We don't see the cloud of the glory of the presence of Yahweh descend again. I, I now correct me if I'm wrong, Reed, but I think we see when a bright cloud overshadows them at the at, at on the Mount of Transfiguration. But even before that, when the voice from the cloud says, "This is my beloved Son," is there some connection there between the the glory of the presence of God and this Jesus who receives the Spirit and is receives the verdict of beloved one? in his baptism and transfiguration. Yeah, no, that's, those are all good uh, comments and a great question. Um, sometimes we think that the glory of the Lord is felt. Uh, mm. You know, we, we kind of see the, the typical uh, person in worship saying, I felt the glory. 
the which is, that's that's okay, and yeah, uh, yeah. I mean I don't want to be uh, overly critical of that, but you wouldn't have a statement like that in the Bible. Hmm. Uh, people don't feel the glory primarily; they see the glory, right? As you said, the tabernacle glory in Exodus forty, the temple glory in First Kings eight. Um, so what is very remarkable, and I just read about this maybe three years ago, uh, a, a popular book uh, by N.T. Wright, uh, simply called Paul. Um, so N.T. Wright uh, makes uh, this uh, comment on the glory of the Lord, that the glory, uh, the cloud glory, right, fill the tabernacle, uh, fill the temple, uh, but then when the second temple was built, right, dedicated uh, March 12th, 515 BC, uh, there's nothing in uh, this biblical literature of this time, Zechariah, Haggai, Malachi, uh, Ezra, Nehemiah, etc. None of these authors ever say that the glory of the Lord filled that temple. Now, that's not to say that there was anything defective in that temple or that uh, God didn't commission the rebuilding of the temple. That's not the point. The point is that temple's incomplete. So what Wright will say is that uh, from that point on, uh, many Old Testament believers uh, were awaiting the the glory cloud. When's it going to come? And St. Paul would have been part of this group, uh, a, a devout Jew, uh, longing for uh, the glory cloud to, to fill the second temple. And, and so for Paul, then, uh, what happened in Acts chapter 9 is that uh, <laughs> he saw the glory, right? Mm. And that glory was in the face of Jesus. In fact, that's exactly what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, that God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. See, glory of God in the face of Christ. Uh, so when finally is the glory of God revealed? In, in Christ Jesus. And this 2 Corinthians 4, 6 is a, a pivotal verse to understanding uh, how Paul uh, understood Jesus. Jesus is the very presence of, of God, right? Mm -hmm. He's the glory of God. Uh, and of course, this is what John 1, 14 says, we beheld his glory, right? So a lot of this is going to make sense then as we uh, turn to some New Testament texts. Mm. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of a lot of good Christmas promises in there. The Emmanuel promise, God with us. The as you said, John one, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, made His dwelling. He tabernacled among us. Uh, we beheld His glory. So uh, a lot of good Christmas and Advent texts kind of floating mm -hmm. around this hymn and this Isaiah passage. And if if people are looking for a way to get to the cross with the glory of God, right, mm. uh, Paul. Uh, dramatically says it, it's you know it's easier just to pass by these words sometimes but in first Corinthians 2 8 uh, Paul talks about that the rulers of this age crucified the Lord of glory mm -hmm. um, and you know Paul just doesn't speak in those terms in any other of his letters uh, mm -hmm. so this uh, cru this Lord of glory is um, crucified finally rejected etc. So he's not just saying like Jesus was awesome. He, he's actually making connection between Jesus and, and the glory of the presence of God. 
Exactly, exactly. And so a, a nice kind of Advent Christmas link to this would be uh, Isaac Watts' hymn, A Joy to the World, uh, mm-hmm. where he says, I think it's in stanza two, veiled in flesh the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. So th- Jesus is veiled in a cloud, right, in the Old Testament, um, but he's still veiled in flesh, right? Uh, hail the incarnate deity, be- because of the fact that we we simply this side of heaven can't just look at God, <laughs> right? Yeah. Even this the Son of God, the second person of the Trinity, has to veil himself uh, in in the New Testament era. In this case, in flesh, uh, yeah. but the cloud flesh idea. Uh, is a nice link between the Testaments. When the cloud descended, Moses would go to the door of the tabernacle. That's where he would meet with God. Or, or when the glory cloud descended on Sinai, Moses, when the people said, "Don't it's thunder and lightning, and don't you go talk to him. We don't want to talk to him. Mm-hmm. And, and Moses goes up in into the cloud. And some of that same kind of word of God, presence of God, uh, glory of God, shows all up here in, in Isaiah 42. So in, in that first kind of stanza, we had comfort, comfort, my people, says your God, that, that speaking there. Then the next one, a voice of one calling in the desert. Uh, and then it, the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And then in this third stanza that we haven't talked about yet, a voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? And it ends with the glory of our God, uh, the word of our, sorry, the word of our God endures forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and sandwiched in that last stanza, you've got the, the breath of the Lord that causes grass and flowers and the people to wither and to fall. And yet God's word endures. That that's a striking image. It we've it's been really gospely this part of Isaiah 40 and then you've got grasses withering and flowers falling. What's going on with that? Yeah, it really takes us back to the prior chapter mm-hmm. in Isaiah chapter 39. Uh, where really one of the the stand up Judean kings, Hezekiah, uh, who was uh, you know one of the the better ones, right? Uh, Hezekiah, yeah. Josiah, David, etc. Uh, Hezekiah would be example A of uh, being grass like. Surely the people are grass, all right? Because Hezekiah uh, shows Babylonian envoys, the, the state uh, treasures. Uh, <laughs> and um, then Isaiah comes along. This is all narrated in chapter 39 of Isaiah and says, uh, Hezekiah shouldn't have done that. <laughs> and Hezekiah says, well, you know, uh, no skin off my back. Uh, if if uh, my um, descendants go in exile, big deal. It won't happen to me. And you think, wow. That's pretty cavalier and unfeeling of Hezekiah. So he would be kind of example A of essentially being narcissistic, not caring about anybody but himself. Mm -hmm. And Isaiah says, you know, uh, don't even trust in, in the best people. Right, even the Hezekiah people don't trust in those people because they're just poh plain old people. Mm-hmm. Uh, trust in um, you know the word of the Lord, right? Well, hey, I, I want to get to I want to listen to this hymn, uh, Brooke and Brendan, and their rendition of "Comfort, Comfort You, My People." Uh, but before we do that, allow me to read the devotion here on page thirty-eight, and then and then we'll listen to that song together. The devotion on page thirty-eight is called "Make the Rougher Places Plain." 
Looking out at a frozen field in the dead of a Michigan winter, you'd never know the important work going on below the surface. The repeated freezing and thawing is aerating the soil, promoting good crops and working rocks to the surface. That process produces an unexpected crop of field stones in the spring. Who put those stones in my field over the winter? Well, they were there all along. I remember harvesting that rocky yield on the farm as a boy. Clearing stones was a family affair. A tractor would drag the field as we all walked behind, tossing any dislodged rocks into the bed of the trailer that followed us. A regular farm parade. Mostly, I remember the big rock pile that stood sentry over the entrance to the woods at the back of the farm. That mountain of stone has always been there, and we added to it every year. The work of hauling stones from the field was never done. Isaiah invites us to prepare for the coming of the king, to make a smooth highway in the wilderness, to drag the field and get rid of the stones. And no matter how often we prepare our hearts and lives for Christmas, we find more stones to clear away. That anger we thought was well under control, that jealousy we dealt with years ago, the harmful words we swore never to speak again, the perennial brokenness that makes sin a family affair. Who put those stones in my field? Sometimes it seems like the work of preparing the way is never done, no matter how high your rock pile grows. That's okay. It's okay that you are dealing with some of the same sinful patterns that plagued you last December. It's okay that new vices have cropped up. It means important work is being done below the surface. You aren't called to make yourself sinless. You're called to prepare the way for the king who will make all things new. His word can melt rock and renew the earth. At the harvest, your king will do away with sin forever. Your king rolls away impossible stones and brings resurrection life. Deserved his anger 
washed away We exchange our pining sadness For his comfort, peace and gladness That was Brooke and Brendan and the song, Comfort, Comfort, Ye My People. Well, thanks, Rita. I appreciate how our conversation that, that we've had today uh, about Isaiah and about making the way straight. I'm just wondering if there's anything we talked about today that, that might, for you, be a, a way of preparing your heart for Christmas. Is there a, a personal next step in this conversation for you? I really like your devotion, Justin. Mm. Um, that's just uh, so memorable and um, hopeful. And uh, I'm going to uh, take that since I printed it out and uh, stick that on my refrigerator door in about, um, oh, less than two months. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And that will help me prepare the way of the Lord. So thank you for that. It's wonderful. Thanks, Rita. I appreciate that. And uh, the the faith experiment there on pages forty and forty one. I just I, I love how Emily Adams, our artist, has has put some potholes in it and some some rocks and some logs. And there's just so much. You know, we are so busy. I have I continue to have those conversations with the people in my life. We're so much so much to do. So many things that get in the way. Uh, I was talking to one of my kids who just said, "Man, it just it seems like I'm so busy right now. I don't I don't even know." 
I don't, I don't know how to find time to pray or read my Bible. And so we talked that through a little bit too, but that's a kind of a family affair. We all, we all have those times where that happens too. So uh, not being discouraged by that, but knowing that Jesus is active in the midst and uh, looking forward to the day, right? So Isaiah gives us a promise that comes true and is fulfilled by Jesus as he's born in Bethlehem, but also comes true in a, in a, an even greater way when he comes again. And we look forward to that day and prepare for that as well. Thanks, Reed. Thanks for the conversation today. So much appreciated getting together with you again. Thank you, Justin. My delight. And we'll talk to you soon. Bye now. That was Dr. Reed Lessing, currently serving at Concordia University, St. Paul, Minnesota. His latest book is called Overcoming Life's Sorrows, Studies in the Book of Jeremiah. And I'll make sure to link that in the description of this podcast. I'll also link to the last time Reed was on our podcast, That was for the hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness, in the hymn journal, Ponder Anew, a hymn journal of trust and confidence. Reed also mentioned the hymn, Joy to the World, so I'll link to that podcast as well. And of course, we'd love for you to be a part of our Advent Hymn Journal Social Learning Group on Facebook, and you can find the link in the description. As always, this podcast was made possible in part by the generous support of Next Step patrons. Patrons make it possible. Thank you to our patrons. I don't think we have any patrons in Minnesota yet. Uh, We've got them all around the country and indeed around the world, but I think uh, Minnesota is still lacking. So if you're a resident up here in the Great White North, uh, maybe think about jumping on to become a Next Step patron as well. It's hard to believe we're almost done with the first week of December already. I hope your Advent preparations are going well. If you haven't had a chance yet to do the faith experiment on pages 40 and 41, it really is a great way to reflect on your life and confess your sins and and bring things that seem like they're getting in the way for you to Jesus. You you don't have to worry about fixing them all yourselves or even fixing them all right this second. But you can have confidence that you received a double portion of comfort comfort, comfort, that your sins are forgiven. And when your king comes at the harvest, he brings peace and rolls away impossible stones. Thanks so much for listening today. We'll see you next time at Next Step Press.